beautiful and welcome to another joyfully ever after through the looking glass combo with yours truly Heidi Uster. I am a storyteller and joy coach. I know it's like every time I change my designations because I am evolving human and figuring out how to help most. So for those who give so much of ourselves, you know yourselves, parents out there and are dedicated to helping others and are done with being too busy and tired. So I am here uh, to walk alongside you to identify all those uh, blocks, uncover all those blocks in your heart so you can find more happiness in your life. So, all right, how do I do this? Through my mama who's walked through fire stories, decades of success in professional relationship building career, otherwise known as fundraising, and my peculiar genius of seeing the steps you need to create the life you adore, I will walk with you to joy. Think of me kind of like uh, Mr. Rogers for people pleasers who loves chocolate chip cookies. All right. So if you are ready to, if you are a parent or a world changer or someone dedicating your life to others who also wants to be a relaxed, happy person with a fulfilling life, then welcome to your joyfully ever after. All right. So today is a through the looking guest conversation. So what are those? Okay, so these are conversations with different kinds of teachers like this, a beautiful human next to me. And I'm sorry, I got my, my, <laughs> I always get like the pointing of the finger wrong. Anyway, the mirroring really is a challenge for me, I guess, in the way my brain was created. Um, so uh, looking glass conversations are tools with uh, different kinds of teachers who, um, so that can you can use the tool to understand yourself better. So we're going to have uh, tools up in the new year. Like, uh, what are we doing? We're doing acupuncture in the new year and we're going to do yoga in the new year. Uh, we've done astrology and the Enneagram. So kind of just like you grew up and you figured out, like, how do I learn best? Do I like to, you know, do all the worksheets in class or do I like to, like, talk with the teacher and monopolize their attention? Or do you just, like, scrape your knees trying to climb the trees, right? We all got different ways to learn. So we got tools to help you figure out, right, those internal heart blocks. And um, and I am here to bring you all this different tools. And so the amazing thing, that's why I call it through looking glass, is I bring you these tools and they're kind of like mirrors to see yourself through different angles. So you can best learn how to see you and your power and your beauty, your weird, peculiar genius and your joy. Okay, enough from Heidi Astor. So today I am very grateful to be sharing space with a bright soul who is on uh, her own journey to joy and has a new tool to share. And uh, I have the pleasure of introducing Jennifer Irwin. Yay! I call her a heart-centered, soulful warrior. I don't know if she would call herself that, but that's what I know of her so far. And uh, we're going to uh, talk about the tool of self-compassion. So people might be like, that's not a tool. That's like a, something that you do. But there's like there's so many different uh, self-compassion has been so powerfully integrative into every, every day that I move forward as an authentic human being that I think, uh, so I'm sorry if you hear uh, a bark, my dog is being puppy pants and 
I might have to let him upstairs at some point, but uh, for now, we're just going to let it go. Anyway, yes. So whether you are live here or in the replay, please make comments below. Let us know how you're doing. Send us your questions and I will get in touch with Jennifer and make sure she answers them or I answer them. And so, uh, so we can get the, the party started. All right. So I am going to introduce you, Jennifer, and uh, we can get this going. So Jennifer is a professional life coach with expertise in serving physicians and others in caregiving positions. So she specifically supports women in decreasing burnout and increasing well-being through an evidence-based coaching model as well as through her online self-compassion programs. And she is just wrapping up an awesome, beautiful, luscious group coaching. And maybe she can share a little bit about what that's all about today. Uh, she has a degree in psychology and a master's in education, as well as advanced training in nonviolent communication, positive psychology, mindfulness, and self-compassion. Jennifer has done a lot of learning. And now and now she's doing the acting. She, she's she's walking walking through all the steps. She is passionate about helping women grow their confidence and life satisfaction through taming the inner critic. And don't we all have an inner critic or an inner committee? I like to say I used to have an inner committee. So like I had my internal, like my mom's voice and then I had my boss's voice and then I'd have my own spicy voice. Okay. And, um, and she helps women develop an unshakable sense of trust in themselves. Oh, I love that. And you get that trust through, I bet one of the tools you can use is self-compassion. So, Jennifer, fill in the blanks. What did I miss? <laughs> Tell us more. Like a bar, you could you could say, you know, like kind of what in what inspired you to go on this path, mm. and um, you know, stay on this path, or all yeah. sorts of stuff. Yeah, thank you for that intro. Yeah, so I am a life coach, and it has kind of I think it was always my probably mission or like path to get there because I've been a personal development junkie for like, since I was 10. <laughs> Yay! Um, yeah, I think I've always I'm like, just nearing 40. And I think I'm like, have always been this age. Like, I think like, I was drawn to like, um, Sarah Van Brethenock and like simple abundance and things like that at a very young age. And like, did gratitude journaling. I've just, and that, like the self-help section of the bookstore is like the place that I hang out. Yeah, um, I'm so feeling is, you there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's been kind of my path. And I, I did a lot of other things before I landed in coaching, but definitely this is like what fills me up and um, what I think my unique genius really like is best suited for um, a little more. I am a mama and I also homeschool and I'm an entrepreneur. And so there's like a whole lot of, and I'm a uh, high achiever too. So there's just a lot. I have my inner committee. I've got my people pleaser and my perfectionist and my high achiever and my worry wart. Yeah. All in there. All in there. And so I love helping people kind of identify their different parts and like find that centered loving space where we can be both like kind and firm with ourselves so we can like get on with living. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And and even with all those different hats, right? So many of us wear so many different hats. And it's not like we're just going to quit everything and that's where the happiness is, right? So the happiness is in inside of all that, right? Yeah. Inside of and 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 you know, finding that like 
that balance between like, all right, there's parts of me that want to be an over, you know, that love being overachiever and want to get it mostly right. And, you know, they want to love on everybody and like, oh, by the way, I want to also eat and sleep. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so like finding that, right. Finding that balance. And it sounds like you, you know, you talk from a very relaxed, chill perspective because you have, you have in that, right. You have, you're talking with all those different pieces and not saying yeah. like, you're all voted off the Island and only one of you can stay. Yeah. But you know, these are, there's so many different pieces of ourselves. Right. Yeah. All these different parts and how to mm-hmm. really like, just be with them. How do we, how do we be with these different parts that are sometimes difficult? Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. I think of my different parts a lot in, in terms of a time order, Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm always working on loving and reconciling my past selves, different past selves with mm-hmm. my present self, like loving on the present moment and then my f- feeding my future self. Right. And yeah. so like every day I'm like, I need to do something that like reconciles, like gets all three, like mm-hmm. kind of in flow. We're all like, let's all be on the same team. Let's yeah. not like, you know, let's <laughs> not waste all of our energy. on like regret and the past self's like just beating me with a hammer. And then my present self is like, sorry, no time for present. We have to <laughs> figure out what's going to be on the dinner table tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And so just constantly just, yeah, I totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Inner dialogue, inner peaceful mm-hmm. dialogue. That's key. Yeah. So the first thing I always ask my guests after the intro is, um, how are you and how are you taking care of yourself today? Mm. Yeah, such a great question. Um, I am doing well today <laughs> and which is good, right? Even on, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, but I'm still feeling centered. I must just maybe don't need as much, but I have started this habit just the past week of before I make my first cup of, you know, Earl Grey tea is just filling my teacup like half full of water and making sure I drink that before just to kind of like start my day. I was trying to do like this whole, this again, overachiever perfectionism, like hot water and lemon or ginger tea or whatever. And I was like, you know what? Like my goal is to just like nourish and hydrate my body. So I'm just going to do like, what's the easiest step. So easy to get my teacup already out, put some water in it, just drink it. Like no, and no big steps, you know, something simple. I love that. I love that. I had, um, so we have a, for those of you who don't know, I met Jennifer through Heather Cox from the live with Heidi and Heather show. And, uh, Heather actually turned me onto a daily water intake habit. And mm-hmm. I have been, uh, a migraine sufferer most of my adult life. I guess I should say all of my adult life and some of my kid's life. And uh, she's just like, oh, we drink like 80 ounces of water a day. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of water. (laughs) And I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And so like I I tried doing like the large amount of water and I was like squeezing lemons. And I don't have like a professional squeezy thing for my juice. And so I'm just like, er, er. and then sometimes I, well, I used to bite my nails, but now I have a whole new like respect for my hands. I call them million dollar hands. And anyway, that's a whole story. But anyway, um, so then it was hurting my hands and I was like, what can I do? And I was like, oh, so now every day I get up and I just drink like a cup of water. I, I don't know. It's not 80. It's probably like 16 or 20 ounces or something. And then, and then over lunch, I'm like, sometimes I'm thirsty and I drink a whole other one. So I've, it's just like everything with a habit, right? Figure out what works for them. Cause some people carry around like a gallon jug mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm going to sip this all day. 
And I was like, there's no way I could like know thyself. Right? I was like, there's no <laughs> way that I'm going to be, I'm just going to be looking at that. And it's going to be like 8 PM. And I'm going to be looking at like, Oh, I have to drink like 12 hours of water right now. So I was like, that's not going to work for me. So I just get up and I, before I get out of bed, I meditate, which is how I take care of myself every morning. And then I drink my cup of water. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, those yeah. morning habits really make a difference, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep it small and know what works. Yeah, find what works. Yeah, and just 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 keep keep trying, right? Keep yeah. trying. Like I call it. So my three words for the next three years, I can't just do one word because I'm not built that way. And one year seems too short for me because I don't know. And so <laughs> I have compassionate, um, aligned action. So my mm. so I'm still not giving myself a hard time. And I'm still feeling, do, trying to do stuff that works with me, not against me, mm-hmm. and still taking steps, right? Yeah. So, mm. so beautiful words. Those, yeah, those are, I have on my desk. Um, well, actually, I have a blanket on my desk because I like cuddly things and it's weird, but even my, even my desk has a blankie. Um, <laughs> but under my blankie, I have my uh, vision board for the next three years. So it has those three. The three, the three words are like completely circling all the pictures in the mm. different spheres of my life. So anyway, okay. So I want to t- have a whole discussion. Let's jump on in to self-compassion. So there's a lot of different words out there. There's gratitude and there's, you know, there's all sorts of other words that you could use to, to hone in on to help people with. So, um, why, why self-compassion? Yeah. Why this tool? Why this? Yeah. 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 Why this? Yeah. I think for me personally, this is like the cornerstone. It's like the missing key. Like I said, I've been like a personal development junkie and I love like learning new tools and like trying different things out. And what I found is that no matter what I did for a really long time, until I fostered self-compassion, they didn't really, anything that actually might've worked for me wasn't sticky enough because I was spending all of this time and energy, like either judging myself for how well I was or wasn't doing Doing a certain Mm -hmm. thing, right? Mm -hmm. Or it was just not, you know, I was setting myself up for like this huge talk about perfectionism, like bar of success. And so when I didn't meet that, I was like, oh, this isn't working for me. Like to even be able to discern what's that aligned action for you, you need to have a safe space inside yourself where you can like hold your truth, where it's safe to just feel whatever you're feeling and to know that you've got your own back. To me, those are like, I, a lot of things that I've done in the past, like even meditation, Mm-hmm. I would like strive really hard to meditate really well and then would blame myself when my mind wandered. And so adding in that element of compassion, of self-compassion, of turning towards myself just softens everything. And it made my meditation practice enjoyable where before oh, I was I just that. like powering through. And there's so many things like that, that I find that like, it's so much easier to maintain a practice of any kind when you've got your own back with self-compassion. So like check, yeah. So it moves you away from the check checking of the box to the, is this work for me? All right. That's my dog. I'm going to be right back and uh, I'm going to go put him upstairs.
All right. Sorry about that. My dog gets really excited when I do lives. I think he just like wants to be part of the conversation. Yeah, he probably has lots to say about yeah. self-compassion. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I'm an anxious, nervous wreck. And uh, <laughs> like, I could use some self-compassion right now. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Yes, that is so important to be able to, to put that in. And one thing when you were talking about it. So next week on my show, I'm talking about how to painlessly learn from mistakes. Ah. Mm. Yes, yes, because <laughs> I had this discussion with someone. They're like, it's not possible. You make mm. a mistake and then you feel crappy. So I've gotten to a point in my life through my personal development journey that I don't feel that pain anymore. Mm. So I've I've done a reframe. Like I've reframed mistakes to what is the universe teaching me in this moment? Mm. And so a big part of that, and I want I want I want to ask you this question is what part does the, like, how have you had to resolve your relationship with your ego to be able to bring in self-compassion? Are they completely separate? Hmm. Are they, are they, did, cause I had, I've had to work with, um, like my training on, on like my relationship with my ego to be able to invite self-compassion in. I didn't know if that was, um, part of your journey also. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't. um, I think I don't know if I've like, kind of like have a relationship with the word ego, actually. I mean, I definitely have different parts of me that I can see are like, sometimes tragic in the way that they're trying to protect or serve me, that they don't serve my highest good. So I guess in that way, I mean, like, those are the parts. And I do feel like, um, discernment has been the biggest key of like knowing which voice is which. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So ego would be a big part of the pieces of you that are like the more perfectionistic part Mm -hmm. or the overachiever, the one that wants to get like all the certificates and all the, all the awards and hundred percent and stuff. Yeah. 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 I think that those are ones that like are always to me, I like viewing them as parts that were doing their job at some point And that are like, we've outgrown them. Like they were really doing their best with what they had at the time to make sense of our situation with the Mm -hmm. state that our brains were in, which is usually under construction as children. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they grew out of that. And yet they're like, not caught up quite with like, oh, I'm an adult and I'm like surviving on my own. And I actually have a lot of good tools and they're just still really loud. And so it's like, how do you build up that relationship and like discern like, oh, is that a voice? that was like useful at one point and I can like find that inner wisdom. So to me, it's like, um, there's a framework that I use. Um, it's from, uh, Shirzad Shamin. He talks about positive intelligence, but he kind of frames them as saboteurs because they tend to self-sabotage us versus our sage brain, which is like inner wisdom, you know, that true higher self, I think of it as, you know, and so having, kind of a distinction and knowing like what, what voice is this or what part of me is this that's talking? I love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah a lot of us, like we have those, those parts that were developed first, right. That kept us safe and, mm-hmm. and kept us in line. Like, um, and sometimes, and sometimes they're close to, so I grew up in, in, um, in a pretty traditional family, I would say, and my brothers all played football and I was a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that like, so I learned to be, the cheerleader in, in many different 
situations because that's what was like the gender norm and expected of me. But also as I've, I've learned like the inner cheerleader, like that's part of who I am as a person. And Mm -hmm. so, and so I need to like have that right discernment of like, am I just, am I just being like overly optim? Like I have an, I've developed an overly optimistic shell Mm -hmm. to candy coat situations, but also I am an encourager. So I, do like to see the positive side of things, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, like having that discernment, like, is this helping or hurt? like, is this small mm-hmm. part of me that has been with me since I was very, very young? Like, is you know, she's still kind of active in play sometimes, and so is she yeah. helping or, or hurting me? Yeah, and I think that it's like whenever it kind of turns sour, you know, it's like those skills, like people pleasing. It means you have a lot of empathy and a lot of care. You know, like that's part of that skill set and part of that piece of it. But when it becomes that over, it's like there's like a line there that we kind of have to learn like, oh, wait, that's crossing over into like overtaking responsibility or it's actually like a form of control. Like you talk about, you know, it's like, where is that line to Mm -hmm. like, I can feel deeply with other people and I can see their pain and what a gift that can be as a tool in my relationships and where, where does it become harmful? both to ourselves and I would argue to other people. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say, um, that is, that is something like, I love that you said control because there's so many different ways that, that we all learn to try to control such things that aren't, aren't, you know, are uncomfortable or are completely out of our control. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one one of my old mechanisms would be like, all right, I'm just going to be like the Pollyanna lady. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, you know, and because that was something that I learned. So, so now I can say like, you know, this is what, what do I, what do I want my outcome to be? And like, you know, and I bring a much more realistic, I view my, myself as like yeah. an optimistic realist. Hmm. I, don't, yeah. I don't know. Versus just like, everything's going to be fine. Even if, now I can be like, it shit ain't fine right now. <laughs> There's a pandemic yeah. and people, people die. It's not good. Yeah. So everyone's having a learning moment. I'm used to having lots of learning moments. So pandemic was like another break from which I could see my life from a different angle. And I Mm -hmm. was able to work with it and capitalize on it and move into like my soul centered, heart centered career. Um, But there's not a lot of people have had a learning, a lot of learning moments. So it was really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And it's hard. It's to me, that's where self-compassion comes in, because unless you have that safety to hold the wholeness Mm. of like both the the joy and the like the the positive side of things and the reality that life is 50 50, like you don't everyone has struggle and strife and challenge and difficult Mm. emotions like that's part of it. And to me, that's what the tool of self-compassion does is it gives us the tools to be able to be like, Oh, this uncomfortable thing that I only know how to push away or move away from. I now have the tools to be able to be with it, learn anything from it that might be learned or to just like, let it be and give myself kindness for having a hard emotion. Like, Oh yeah, this is just a hard moment. Can I give myself care for that? Right. Yeah. 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 I, I so resonate with this. Um, and there's, and when I was doing some prep work for this conversation, there was a recurrent question that kept popping up. Mm -hmm. And this is a question. This would be an old question, like something from, um, from a long time ago. And, and so um, some people might have this same question, like, can, you won't learn anything if you're easy on yourself. Mm -hmm. Why do you, you know, so how, 
you know, how, how do you work with that? And so, so now obviously I've done a reframe and, and I bring compassion as one of my words, mm. you know, for life and living as, as is yours, but like, what is the, what is the reframe that has to happen between like, Oh, compassion is just like, you're going easy on yourself and you just mm-hmm. like, don't want to, don't want to push yourself hard. Yeah. Yeah. This is like one of those biggest ones. Yeah. Um, so like Kristen Neff, who's like the researcher and the one who's really brought self-compassion kind of out into the forefront. She talks a lot about the different myths around self-compassion because mm-hmm. they get confused with different things. And one of the biggest fears that people have around like even the word self-compassion, self-anything, right, is that it's going to yeah. make you complacent because most of us use those negative like ways to like motivate ourselves. So we use fear or worry or anxiety and it's hard because it works up to a point, you know, it's, it's like, it feels real because. Because it's hard, right? It's hard. We had to go, we had to overcome all of this, like punching of ourselves internally, right. And probably externally mm-hmm. to get to that. So therefore it must be worthwhile. Yeah. So, so the, another myth would be like, oh, so it can't, it can't be real if it's, if it's easy. And if it, if we were nice to ourselves. Right. That's another belief that like, it's just not going to work or it's not going to be seen as worthwhile to myself or to others. Right. Yeah. I like the analogy of the like coal fired train versus the electric train. So like when we are kind to ourselves, kind, but firm, that's what true self-compassion is. It's like an electric train. Like it gets you there too. You actually feel motivated when you're like kind and loving to yourself and you like get to the destination, but you don't cause all the pollution, like a coal fired plant, like fear, worry, anxiety often will get you wherever success, you know, like will get you through grad school or whatever, but it causes a lot of pollution. There's a lot of stuff that lands in our bodies and it just doesn't work as well. I I love that. Yeah. That's another one that she talks about that really resonated. And I have, so like I was telling my uh, group and my self-compassion class, about the other morning, it was like about two months ago, I woke up and I recognized both those voices inside of myself. So it's, I don't know if anyone else I'm sure resonates with how hard it is, especially in the winter to get up, but when you have things to do, so that alarm went off and I had like the first thought was like, oh my gosh, you got to get out of bed. Like that pushing negative, like you're so lazy, you just need to get up. And Mm -hmm. in the past that would have gotten me out of bed, but it might've like polluted the rest of my day versus self-compassion, which is what I could tune into now was like, oh my gosh, dear one, it is winter and it is cold and it is 5.50 a.m. Of course, it's hard to get out of this warm, snuggly bed, but you have these things that are important to you Mm. that you want to get up out of bed for. And it was just such a gentle, like loving pull out of bed rather than that forceful push. And that's the difference is that it got both got me out of bed. Yeah. You know, like both can motivate you, but it's like, you know, when you yell at your child, who's like just struggled and you make them feel like crap, like they're not going to want to do better when you feel worse. Yeah. Or they're not going to right as a parent, they're yeah. not going to want to tell you about stuff in the future. If you just yeah. kind of be like, why aren't you doing this? What's going on with you? Yeah. And if you take a, a, a more compassionate approach and you'd be like, Hey, Hey, what's going on? How are you doing today? Like my kids don't like it, but we often talk about what, how are we taking care of ourselves mm-hmm. today? Like one thing we're grateful for, one struggle we had. Yeah. So that like, you know, so like create that safe, right. That safe container. 
Yeah. And yeah. So, um, so that's a good segue. So you are, can you tell a little bit about the self-compassion group that you are facilitating right now? I assume this is not just a one and done thing that you're going to be facilitating other um, small groups uh, that talk about self Can you tell me a little bit about what it's about and like what kinds of, um, what kinds of problems you are solving, I guess, to get mm. people in the groups? Like, yeah, how, how do you, how are you helping people in the realm of self-compassion? Yeah. So these skills, like, it's not easy. Like you could just say, be nice to yourself, you know, but like for me, it took years for me to like, even recognize what that inner compassionate voice sounds like it's much mm-hmm. quieter and it's not trained in us. We don't have any like mind training, like through school, like we mm-hmm. get so much other training, but we don't get like, how do we take care of our minds? How do we take care of our like hearts? And how do we like be with our emotions? So I feel like that's what, so the course itself is just the, it's a nine week course. That's um, the curriculum is developed by Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer, who are like the rock stars in the self-compassion world, but they've designed this class um, and then is facilitated by teachers like myself. And I have a brilliant um, co-teacher as well. And we really just support people in learning like what it, what is mindful self-compassion? What are the different components between mindfulness and self-compassion? What are those nuances? And then lots and lots of tools because it just like anything, it takes practice. So there's lots of different practices in there because everyone's different. And so Mm -hmm. you need lots of things like the whole push behind in the program is to become your own best teacher. And so you are asked again and again, what is working for you? Like, is this practice working for me? And if it isn't to find something that's easier and more pleasant, that resonates, yeah, yeah, that resonates and to give yourself permission to do that because most of us want to be good students and show up and do the work, but to give yourself permission to be like, actually, that one didn't land for me right now. And to like pick another one. So having like lots of tools over the nine weeks of different types of meditations or exercises or ways of approaching it is really helpful in terms of like giving people lots of doorways into the path and lots of things that they can then stick with and try Mm -hmm. and see how it works. Even if it's just for a season, because a practice might work for you for one season of your life. And then you might need to give yourself permission to change it up and find then something Then you evolve. Else. Yeah. Then yeah. you evolve. And then maybe something else will, you know, will, will speak to you. Do you have a favorite exercise either in the course or not that you use like a way you check in mm-hmm. or a time of the day or like a daily practice or some, or like one of those exercises that works and resonates with yeah. you? Yeah. I have a couple. Um, so the easiest one is the self-compassion break. And so that's one that has like become like you could do it as more of like a five minute formal practice. But a lot of times it's me just like so soothing touch is something that we use a lot of of finding something that's soothing or supportive, which, mm-hmm. you know, because that releases oxytocin in our own bodies and helps us feel supported and cared for. So my favorite is just like I probably do it all the time unconsciously now is just put my hand over my heart. And that instantly helps me connect with that warmth. And then to just go through the steps of self-compassion of like, what am I feeling right now? Like what's going on? You know, remembering that I'm not alone, that like all humans have experiences like this, like connecting. Right. And then that kindness, like, what do I need to hear right now? What do I need to do? So like the other day I was like having a really hard moment 
took me a while to remember this. I sat down and I just like went through it and I was like, I need to just take out my contacts. Like that was like, so it was like the only kind thing I need to do for myself right now is just like get this irritation out of my eyes and like, take it, you know, it just gives me that constant wisdom of like, what do I need right now? Do I need to go outside? Do I need to just take deep breaths? Do I need to tell myself something specific? Like I'm here for you, you know, like when we're feeling overwhelmed, you know, and we need to hear like, oh, I've got your back. I'm here for you. Or just even this is hard. We just need resonance. And so having that place to land and have those really simple steps of like, what am I feeling? You know, I'm not alone. What do I need to hear or do or say for myself? That would be kind. What would I do if I was yeah. sitting with a friend and they were telling me this struggle? What would yeah. I offer to them? And I then give it to that. yourself. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Now, now I have a really good lens to understand why, like, basically swaddle myself in blankets every day. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, this is what I needed. <laughs> yeah, I like like I, I, in the morning. Most mornings, I will wrap myself in a blanket. I will do yeah. meditation laying in my bed, and then as I start my day, I will I will go to my desk or go to go to a chair, and I will wrap myself in a blanket and like pull up my laptop or my journal, depending. And so, and then also like when I'm having conversations with people, I am never like far away from a hot beverage. Like today mm-hmm. I have some nettle tea mm. with me and um, yeah, so I have all sorts of herbal teas that I go to. Um, I think that's a way of just uh, letting me, my, me know that I, I am worth of taking time for myself. Yeah. And so these practices, like, you know, kind of, they take like, right, a little extra time, like finding a blankie, getting my tea ready, you know, so, but like, not as much as we will, you know, like sometimes we think of self-care as like this huge overarching task. Like I need like hours to myself or book a spa or like even run a bath. And it's like, could I grab a cozy blanket? (laughs) It's like, that was an extra 12 seconds today. Heidi, I don't think we have that time. Right. Yeah. But we like make it up big in our head. Like those, those other parts are like, we don't have time and it's just like not real. Yeah. We do have time to take care of ourselves in all those ways. Yeah. Yeah. We always, we always have the time. And, and I, I tell my kids like they're, they're teenagers and they're, they're really, really big on the, um, not sleeping, like not going to bed on time. And so they're 15 and 16. So I pretty much like they go to bed when they go to bed because I go to bed first. (laughs) And, and so sometimes in the morning, they just look like, you know, tired. I could say other words, but tired <laughs> is one of them. And so I'm just like, Hey man, how are you going to take care of yourself today? And so sometimes my daughter, she would just like go sit in a chair and like, she won't say anything and she'll just eat her breakfast. Like she'll be in the, in the living room, just eating breakfast and, you know, she's giving herself a little, a little TLC. So we all got our different ways, right? Yeah. We can, we can develop those habits so that we're not like, you know, bum rushing our, our days. And, you know, as like an angry bull, yeah, <laughs> an angry, tired bull in a China shop. Yeah. Like, no, I can just, I can just go hang out in the pasture and still get my stuff done. <laughs> still do my yeah. bull things, whatever they are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we power through so often it's, and it's really hard to stop and we can give ourselves compassion for that too. Like, mm. gosh, it's really hard to stop in our busy world where like everyone's going, going, and there's this competitive spirit around who's most tired or most stressed out or whatever. It's, mm. it's radical. And it's sometimes hard to do that. Yeah. So even I feel giving like ourselves we, compassion yeah. for when it's hard to give ourselves self-compassion. <laughs> Wait, and it's like a big cycle. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's easier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
totally totally oh so um so yeah so it seems like i don't know i feel like self-compassion has helped me open the door to many things Mm. many things in in my life and um do you have i'm just curious if you have a story um so i i would have welcomed self-compassion into my life during my divorce. So that would Mm -hmm. have been about a dozen years ago. And um, before then it was, I remember there's this moment that things got lighter. Mm. And before then things were pretty dark because I have an unchecked committee in my head. Like I'm ruining my kids' lives Mm. and like, they're not going to get as many presents. So they're not going to get as many presents for Christmas or their birthday. And, and how could I do that to them? And, and so mm-hmm. there was this line, like I was starting to do a lot of reading and there was this line. And so after I, I didn't even know it was self-compassion. Um, after I adopted this one phrase, I was able to move forward. So it was, it was like the key that unlocks, right? Mm-hmm. Becoming the teacher, right? Becoming, figuring out how you're the best learner and the best teacher. So if you move into that self-compassion, you can give yourself the permission yeah. to you know, try. So I have a, I have a story. Um, so I would have been, it would have been like a year I was looking at my calendar and I had just flipped it to like a November Hmm. and a lot of, lot of mommy perfection around Christmas and have to do it right and have all the parties Hmm. and looking at a whole new season of not having, like having half as much income. And, and so all these things like playing up against, and I remember just staring at this calendar page and it's like November and November is usually a, like I was starting to get into gratitude. And so November is like a happy time because <laughs> I was like, oh, November is a time where I can think about things I'm grateful for. And, and it took a few years for it to like transform to my whole life. But November was the month. <laughs> I was like, it's oh, November's, yeah, November's like kitschy theme is, is gratitude. And, but it was the only like I think it was the only heart centered time in my life for a long time uh, that yeah. I knew like of something to be gentle with myself anyway. Um, so there was like an animal on this calendar and I was like looking at, it, and there's this cute little Buffalo on this prairie, probably by Yellowstone area. And, and it was like, treat yourself as a friend. And I was mm-hmm. like, and so, yeah, I do, you know, I got a lot of voices in my head and one of them, I guess was Buffalo that day. <laughs> and, uh, and so I had uh, been doing pastoral care and before I did therapy. And so then I was like, Oh, I guess I, yeah, you know, maybe well, like, how would, how would I treat myself as a friend during this period of time when I'm going through this crazy divorce thing and try not to be ashamed that I found out I was gay, like well after having children. Right. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff coming up and with the whole Christmas thing. And so that was, I think that was a defining moment for me, just like looking at that calendar page and saying, all right, I'm going to try to figure out how to treat myself as a friend. And when I get out of, out of that mode, I'm going to move myself back into treating myself as a friend. So I didn't Mm. quite have the word. I didn't know the compassion is what I was giving myself, but I was like, if I'm going to have a lot of friends, you know, I want to, because I, I know now, like you attract what you do. Hmm. So now I give myself a lot of compassion. I'm surrounded by people who have a lot of compassion uh, because of that. But the opposite can be true. If you're really harsh, you can attract people who are equally harsh. So you keep yourself in the same situation either way. 
Yeah. Um, so I didn't know if you also had a story of um, like the compassion in action. Mm. Um, like if you have a pivotal story or just a more recent yeah. story. Yeah. Well, I love yours. I'm just echoing that. Like that's such a helpful um, perspective to take because we are so much kinder to others generally. Like if anyone like I'm guessing who's listening or is like struggling with any of these things, it's usually because you're showing up in like beautiful, brilliant ways for other people. And it's like, we sometimes need that. Like it's, we're like too close to ourselves. And so we need to be able to step back and be like, what would my friends say to me? And if my friend was here, what would I say to them? You know, we need that almost like outer perspective to be able to make this shift. So I love that. Like, what would a friend say? What would I say? Such a good line to start that process of thinking that through. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I use self-compassion. I'm trying to think if there's been like a pivotal time where to me, I I have been on this journey for so long and have been, it like feels like kind of like a gradual sinking in of like kind of accepting mm. things. Like there's been a lot of moments of like recognizing, I'm trying to think what, um, like a really clear one. I've had a lot in like, even just the past two years where I'm like, oh, like I'm okay with me. Like like even getting on something like this, like two years ago, like an interview or any sort of presentation, I would be so amped up and so anxious and so like nervous. And then afterwards I would have like this whole rigmarole afterwards of like, what did I say? You know, all that like rumination that would go on of like, why did I say that stupid thing? And now that's out there. And what if people judge me? And, you know, because there's mm, no landing yeah. spot, you know, it's just all the voices. And today it's not that I don't feel anxious because I, you know, I had anxiety before we got on and I have anxiety before I teach a class, but I just know that I'm okay, even though I'm anxious and that it's like, mm. I, there's just a whole different level of self-talk around it because I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm going to be there for myself at the end of this. And I'm going to be with myself through the anxious feeling. And I know that I'm still here and anxiety isn't going to like take over or, you know, that perfectionist part isn't going to take over because I know I'm going to be at home with myself mm. before, during and after. So there's a lot of, I mean, I'm still a work in progress and there's still lots, you know, it's life as work. we all are. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. like life work. So it's not like you get to some destination. You're like, I've got it all figured out. Like I'm mm -hmm. always compassionate with myself now. No, I forget all the time. But more and more, you just like have that easier cycle to be like, even last night, my son was having a meltdown over something. I was tired. I was trying to cook dinner. And I was like, this is a moment for self-compassion. Like, this is hard for me. You know, like he was having That's a hard a moment. Yeah. But I was like, this is hard for me. Can I just sit? And just, I took like three deep breaths. It's just even that reminder to like do that in the past. It would just be like, why is he crying? Like judging him, judging myself, for like, judging not, the situation. not making him like, why aren't you figuring out why, you know, why he's crying? Yeah. Why can't you stop him crying? Can't or even why can't I go sit down and be with him and be fully right. present? Like I couldn't in that moment. I needed yeah. compassion first for myself mm -hmm. to like rest with that. And he's okay. Yeah. Like I'm not a bad mom for pausing yeah. and taking a couple breaths before yeah. I try and empathize with him. Like it's weird. Those 
you know, the stories that we end up telling ourselves about. Yeah. What like how we're, be. yeah. How we're socialized to just like keep doing all the things all the time, no matter what, like my yeah. parents would always say like shields up time to go to work. <laughs> Let's do this. And like workaholism is a normal word in, in my family. Yeah. And, um, and now I can be like, do I, I can, I can decide something. I can make a decision to decide that, that, you know, dinner can be at 510 or 515. It doesn't have to be a mm-hmm. 500 <laughs> every day. Yeah. And then my daughter gets hangry and I'm like, honey, have a granola bar. It's going to be a little <laughs> later. Right. Yeah. So, it's all good. I, I see. I see you there. I understand hangriness. I have the same gene. Um, and <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sip some wine or something and, and you're going to, you're going to have a granola bar and we're going to be okay. Yeah. It, it like gives perspective. It's just like, it yeah. puts you at choice and it gives you perspective of like, yeah. is it that important that it's at five o'clock? Right. Like we make it this big deal a lot of times in our heads. And if we don't have developed that like compassionate voice, that's like, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's understandable that dinner's not going to be ready at five o'clock today. Just take a breath. Right. Yeah. Take oh my, sip, oh my gosh. Like, help, help just back it up. Like the world yeah. will not end. Right. Yeah. And sometimes my kids are like, mom, can we just eat on the couch? And like, I have all his voices. They're like, we can't have a connective, like meaningful meal. If it's on the couch, it has to be at the table. Like, where's that coming from? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like all the things that we were like, no, we can actually eat on the couch. It's not like I'm going to, I mean, sometimes we will, like if it's a weekend, we'll turn on the TV and we'll watch a movie together and, and eat. And that's, just as connective sometimes. And that's just what we need. Right. Right. Because we made a decision. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It allows us to have that, like that flexibility to, to always decide something different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was this, um, I don't know why this conversation stuck in my head, but someone had told me, um, so Jimmy Kimmel, this is totally random. Um, (laughs) he, uh, he was going to have this very famous, uh, beautiful, uh, singer, and I want to say it was Alicia Keys, but it may, well, maybe it was Rihanna. I'm not sure on his show. And like before that, before that, like earlier in the year, she had said, I don't, I'm not going to wear makeup anymore because, you know, mm. patriarchy and I can do whatever, you know, I can, I'm not going to wear makeup anymore to please the men. And so he was going to her dressing room like before she was coming on his show. And he was like, so. I heard you didn't wear makeup anymore. And she's like, I can do whatever the fuck I want. And (laughs) that's so sorry if anyone, you know, that's a F bomb there. Uh, But basically like you can make that decision, right? How to show up, how to take care of yourself. Like that day she wanted to wear makeup. Great. Mm -hmm. Someday she doesn't want to. Great. We don't have to be like controlled by all these choices, you know, and decisions from, you know, past versions of ourselves and other people's wants for ourselves. We can always make that just choice to say like, what do I need now? Mm-hmm. Do I need to swaddle myself in a blanket while I make myself made up and I can go hang out with my, you know, million dollar fans, you know, at Jimmy Kimmel. Great. Yeah. You know, we can, so it's, it's good for, you know, us, us mamas on the, you know, on the front lines and, you know, it's good for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And it really is that place of discernment because sometimes that's where it is. I think that's where people are like, oh, I'm just going to default to that of like, no, you know, cuddling up instead of getting out the door. And it's to me, there's that discernment of like, when is it like, what do I truly need right now? 
because sometimes what we truly need is to get up and go for a walk or Mm -hmm. to like exercise or move our bodies. Right. And sometimes that's like punishment of like, oh, I should do this because like, I have to like exercise because even out of like a good motivation of like, I want to be healthy, you know, it's not even about looks, but we can push ourselves in that place. And so it's all the internal, the internal, like, is it, you know, is it, are you, are you putting the colon or are you plugging in the train? Exactly. Where is it coming from? Exactly. And it takes a lot of practice to kind of discern what voice is what. Yeah. And so to be patient with ourselves too, as we learn these skills, because it isn't something that's just like, oh, I'm like going to be compassionate now and it's going to be easy. Like it it is like, there's work to be, to like, start to develop the ability to be able to discern truly and to still get it wrong sometimes. Yeah. And we're all wired so differently. Uh, Like, you know, Heather is an Enneagram coach and I've been, Mm. I've been learning a lot about Enneagram. And so just like one of the things that, that I love about self-compassion is like, it will look different for every single person because we're all wired so incredibly differently. Like I'm wired. I have a friend who's an astrologer. She's like, Heidi, you're wired for the marathons, not the sprints. Mm -hmm. And so if you try to sprint it out, you you know, burnouts will for you. But if you make your long-term goals, like that's where my fire is. Like I want to do the Trans-Siberian Express, right? Not literally, but like like (laughs) I'm wired. I'm wired for a nice electric train across, you know, the giant continent of uh, Russia. Maybe I'll get there if they change their, you know, humanitarian (laughs) stuff at some point, but that's beside the point. Anyway, talking about (laughs) peculiar genius, let's move right along. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who would have known Siberian trans, (laughs) trans railroad? Yeah. Yeah. So we all got, we're all wired, wired. So, so incredibly differently. Um, and yeah. And even with Heather, like I realized, um, took me about a year to realize I'm a Enneagram two with a three wing. And so I, Uh I couldn't, I couldn't tap into my, my true joy and shininess until I started, I have all this energy around speaking. And I was like, why Mm -hmm. do I want to be around a speaker? If I'm like a mostly like a one-on-one person, like what's going on with that. But then that's where my joy is. My joy is in Mm -hmm. the creating and the sharing of my story in a, in a shiny way. And so it's just like, Offering myself compassion, right? I need I need to give myself space to be the shiny three, and I need to give myself space to be the wraparound, Mister Rogersy, you know, mm-hmm. sweater wearing too, right? Yeah. Like, well, I'm actually wearing cardigan sweater. If you're listening to this on the podcast, <laughs> <Love it>. uh, <laughs> yeah. so okay, so Jennifer, tell me about your peculiar genius. Your you so what that means? Your unique mix of talents and traits and you know, personality and, and quirks and weirdnesses and all the good stuff that make you qualify, uniquely qualified to do what you do. Mm. Yeah. I love that question because that is another place where I think that like compassion can help because it's hard to own. Like if we're like, so worried about what other people are thinking or trying to be something else that we can't really own what, what is true about us. And like, there's so much, so much space in just being able to like embrace I'm McCardigan loving, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like whatever. Having, yeah, yeah, embracing it and integrating it. Yeah, I have a whole story about my receding hairline, but this is about <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, embracing all those parts, even mm-hmm. the parts that we're not always as happy about. Yeah, yeah. truth. Um, yeah, so speaking of Enneagram, I'm a four, so like embracing that. I remember like years ago when I took it, I was like, 
you know, the Enneagram's not like super like warm and fuzzy. It always has like, <laughs> tells you like it is, you know, in a lot of ways. It's showing it's a blade of many well. edges. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and I took it and I was like, oh, like it was so me. And yet I like didn't want it to be me at the time where I was like, that's yeah, but but ah. like I read the other descriptions and I was like, mm, maybe I could. Yeah, but I am a four and I've like definitely learned how to kind of embrace that like the depth and the creativity and the like, you know, even the melancholy moods that come along with all of that. Um, there's gifts in that. So I'm, yeah, I think I'm a high feeling, high sensitive, deeply empathetic, kind of passionate person who's also very introverted. And so, and has like a lot of perspective. I like learning about what's going on inside our minds. And I have, um, deep connections around like, what are, what is like that ability to kind of zoom fully in and then kind of also step back of like zooming all the way out to kind of hold Mm. both of those perspectives and hold that wisdom. Um, I love that. But I think what's ironic is that I have this huge capacity to like really see others and see their gifts and really be with and just provide that safe space. Like you can just be you and I can see that and it's really grounding And it took a lot of time for me to like turn that like superpower inward towards myself because, you know, my whole life I've been getting that feedback of like, oh, but you're the person I can talk to. You're my safe space, you know, all those Mm -hmm. things. And so come in full circle to be to receive that to myself. Yeah. How do I, how do I be that grounding centered safe space for me? Yeah. Mm, I love that. I've been, I've been, I've been doing a lot of uh, like thinking and journaling around receiving lately, Mm. especially in the good season. Yeah. Like even not even as like a mom, but just in the entrepreneur land is like, it's Mm. like, you know, there's so many ways we're always taught to give, Yeah, give, 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 give. And then like, receiving is always so hard. I think my last email was one of my highest open ever. And it was like, do you have mm. a hard time receiving compliments? Oh yeah. That, that was the title of my email. <laughs> yeah. Like, so most people might have a hard time receiving because I, I know I used to have a very hard time and this is going to sound really silly, but on my laptop is an Apple laptop. And so there's this like emoji person who kind of looks like me. Like I crafted her with funky glasses and she has like cool, like a little pop, popped more hair um, because my hair is a little growing out right now, but don't worry, it's getting cut soon. Um, But she would move like a real person. Like she'd be like looking at me and looking at me. And at first I was like, this is kind of creepy because it's like me, a cartoon version of me looking at me. And now I can, I can look at her and be like, good morning, beautiful. Let's, let's (laughs) conquer the world. Let's do this. Um, But it took me receiving, right. Cause I'm basically Mm -hmm. giving myself a compliment. It took me a long time, like years to receive. Yeah. Right. But once we do that, then we can be like, oh, now we can actually move forward because we have we're giving ourselves the compassion and all the Mm -hmm. energy back. Right. We're unlocking all the resistance that we were poo pooing on ourselves for, like having receiving hairlines or not having nails that look like fancy model hands like our moms or, you know, whatever. Um, And we just taking back all that energy and all that power and saying, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm beautiful and I'm good and I we're gonna figure it out together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just to see that there's two sides of the same coin, mm. you know, that giving and receiving. Like, if you've ever given a compliment and someone's like bounced it back at you, like that doesn't feel good. Like, right? Like, it feels good to give and it feels good to have someone receive that too. Like, you're, yes. you're giving a gift in that res- 
receiving place. And that's taken a lot of time for me to kind of like keep remembering like, oh my gosh, every time I say thank you to someone who's giving me a compliment or I really take it in, I'm, I'm doing something between us. Like it's not just a selfish thing. You have a full circle exchange there. It's it's like that infinity sign where it's like going Mm. back and forth. There's energy flow instead of blockage. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I remember a long time ago, I read an article about like how, um, and they said like the rise of the millennial generation was the rise of the people who would say like, if you gave them a compliment, they would say, no problem. (laughs) No problem. It's like, no, thank you, you so much. You just saved my life. No problem. Like, oh my God, you just saved so many lives. You should say you're welcome. Yeah. Right. And so that like invites it in. Like as, as a member of the Gen X generation, I guess I'm proud of being like the generation that was still, you know, working on taking in the compliments. But as a, yeah. as a mom, I, I've only, and a person, I've only started to really do it recently. And I'm like, I actually went through a whole, like I went through a part of a this past summer and I wrote, wrote letters to me and all my different accomplishments because I never, mm-hmm. I never felt good. I'm like, Oh, eighth grade valedictorian. Oh, you know, you got this award. Yeah. Oh, you know, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I always felt like, what's the next shoe to fall? What's the mm-hmm. next thing I got to do? Yeah. What's next? And, and once you really soak those in, you're telling, you're also telling the universe, Hey, send me more of this stuff. Cause it's yeah. good. Yeah. And it's actually like less self-centered because you're honoring all the things, all the energy, all the people, all the things that made you who you are in that moment, because we don't, you know, create our accomplishments in a vacuum. So it's like honoring the whole too, Mm. not just because it's not about ego in terms of like, this is all about me and my accomplishments. Like when you really, truly receive, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like, I came here to this moment and I'm by saying thank you and taking it in. I'm saying thank you to everything that led me to this moment too. You know, it's like, that's so much different than like, oh, it's all about me. It's like, no, like I am, I am here and I'm interdependent with all the factors. I love that. You're like honoring and blessing like the the woven network of, of the love that we, you know, those little, little tiny, tiny steps and tiny bits, tiny little hugs that we give ourselves. And, uh, you know, oh, I just love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So you have, um, you have a guide that you would like to share and, uh, it's called the perfectionistic guide to turning self-care into radical self-love. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So just, um, it was, a. Uh book that I wrote. It's just an ebook. So it's super easy read with lots of practical exercises in there of um, when I was thinking about us, when we think about perfectionism, if we struggle with that, of like setting the bar so high that we can't ever reach it. And then self-care becomes the same thing where it's like supposed to nourish us so that we feel like whole and, you know, taking care of, and it can be this other thing that we're pushing ourselves to reach that then we can't achieve. So really trying to use those tools of like, how do we change our mindset around it? How do we look at our perfectionism and see it for what it is? And then how do we start to build what it is to really accept ourselves as, as we are, which can be a really scary thing for perfectionists because you're like trying, thinking you'll be worthy when, worthy if, you know, at some future date. And so it's really about how do we turn self-care as to moments to honor who we are, mm-hmm. our beautifully, wildly imperfect selves, like all of us, you know, planting us mm-hmm. firmly in that ground. Mm-hmm. So it's just a tool. It's a place where I'd love for people who struggle with that to just dive in and see if it can offer some insights and a couple, you know, practical tools to start 
that journey. That I shift. love that. I love that. I just put in the chat because um, I assume people can get it at jenniferirwincoaching.com. That's right. So I put mm-hmm. that link in the chat. And so perfect. Thank you. Yeah, so, please download. Yeah, please download it. And um, it's also in the show notes if you're listening to this on the pod. And yes, so so we are at the end of our time. If anybody has any questions, just pop them in there. And uh, everyone who comes on my show, uh, Jennifer gets um, an affirmation from the snowman of affirmations. My little, <laughs> my little glass snowman with his oh, hat. His top hat pops you get up. to shake him up. Yeah, I'm going to shake him up. <laughs> He's got um, green, orange, pink, and yellow affirmations. And so mm. do you have a specific color? You want me to just pull? Uh, just pull. I'm feeling okay. happy today. Yeah. All right. Okay. Jennifer, yours is, oh, I am patient and forgiving. Ah, oh, that's kind of like <laughs> a recipe for compassion right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna patient throw. and forgiving with myself and others. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So I am pulling a yellow one and it is, oh, this is so true. My feelings are always telling me something, so I listen. And for those of you out there who are listening to the replay, I'm picking out a lovely green one for you. Oh, this is a very empowering one. And thinking about the thing about the holiday season, I deserve what I desire. Mm. So think about your career or, you know, you've been really eyeing that new motorcycle or whatever. (laughs) Or for me, that's, that's a good one. I've been actually grappling with that. I've been working on that of like desires coming up and how to like really just honor our desires as deep, deep knowings. Right? Mm, yeah, yeah, it's our self guide. And and I even uh, was thinking about um, like when I see something and I you know it triggers my envy or my comparison. I'm like, there's mm. something about this that there's something about me that's out of alignment that is looking at that situation saying, mm, let's go, let's go that way. Yeah. And so just listening to it, right? Always listening to my feelings. Like, what is my, everything's a teacher. Right. What What is that feeling telling me? Yeah. Beautiful. All right, All right Jennifer. It has been fabulous. Yeah. Thanks for Chatting. having me. Yeah. So lovely. Appreciating your humor, the lightness, the like fun. Yeah. I like need that as a four. <laughs> Like I need to be lifted out of that sometimes. So that's been a joy. Hey, it's all good. I always got, I got some random stories sometimes. That's for sure. Like, oh, this reminds me of a time where I jumped in the pool. Um, So to get in touch with Jennifer, you could just go to jenniferlifecoaching.com and pick up that beautiful guide as well as see all of the goodness and compassionate and beautiful resources that she brings to bear with her full soul and spirit and light as uh, a magnificent human in progress in our world. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And we'll talk to you soon. Everyone sending you love, light, and laughter. Until next time, I'm Heidi Esther.